Zakawani, the flying winger. Oh, goodness me! He doesn't need anybody, Steve Zakawani! Steve Zakawani was never fun <laughs> to stick up against. Was it for Zakawani? None is possible. It's Steve! It's Steve! <laughs> this is so weird. Steve Zakawani! What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Winging It with Zakwani. I am Steve Zakwani. I'm sitting down here at the Sounders headquarters on a beautiful day in Seattle, but it wasn't a beautiful day for the Sounders down in Carson, California this past weekend at the StubHub Center. Um, the Sounders were soundly beaten by the Galaxy, and that came off the back of a very disappointing home loss against the Philadelphia Union. We will recap both of those things today. And we will also look forward to the game coming up against the Colorado Rapids. And I will have Stefan Fry joining me on the podcast as well. Only one place to begin. And that's with the bad week. And the question is, was it a bad week or was it something bigger? Was it just a case of Philly caught the Sounders on a somewhat off night? Even though I wouldn't call it an off night because the team actually didn't play too badly. And then went to L.A., and just had a really, really bad day at the office? Or are these symptoms of something bigger? Are these signs that, yes, the nine-game win streak, yes, the 12-game unbeaten run were fantastic, but the reality of who we are is somewhere closer to what we saw in the early part of the season and what we saw in the last two games? Bad week or something bigger? I'm going to go with bad week. The reason I say that is because you take the Philly game and the first 15 minutes is as good as I've seen Seattle attack during that entire unbeaten stretch. The one thing that was missing for me was just a very dynamic, precise attack, you know, passing combinations, one, two, given goals, runs in behind, lots of shots on goal, forcing the other team's defense into panic, forcing the other team's goalkeeper to stand on his head. Like That was missing. The team was winning. It was an own goal here, deflection there. They were getting it done, but it wasn't exciting me. It wasn't. The first 15 minutes versus the Union last, this time last week, it was incredible. There was runs in behind. And, you know, Rudy Diaz was so, so active. Brad Smith got in on the left-hand side three or four times just in that first 10 minutes alone. There was one ball played across, right across the six-yard box, and no one was there to kind of put their finishing touches to it. There was even a chance in the second half, I believe, Christian Rodin ran into the six-yard box and just failed to make contact. Will Bruin slid in, and he ended up making contact with the post. But there were signs that the attack was bursting into life. But the issue is when you're playing against a team that you are better than and you should win and you have chances and you don't take them, they can punish you. I've seen this my whole life around this sport. They can and will very often punish you. And that's what the union did. Yes, it was a mistake by Stephen Fry. But like I tweeted, if there's one person who's earned unlimited lifetime mistakes, I hope he doesn't cash those checks, but it's Stephen Fry. I mean, single-handedly in games at times, he's kept the sounders in games, he's kept clean sheets, he's kept leads, he's turned draws into victory and, and more. So, listen, everyone makes mistakes every game. Goalkeepers aren't allowed to. That's how it goes. And when they do, it's magnified because the other team usually scores. So, 
I give that to Steph. Steph's mistake, you hold his hands up, but that happens. But the fact that Seattle played well the first 15, they did drop off. It wasn't sustained. I will give you that. And the union got more and more confident. And Indian had chances, had the goal that was pulled back because of video review, and then finally scored. I'll give you that. But I didn't leave that game thinking that, oh, where's it all gone wrong? Like, what, what happened to that nine-game win streak? That's not the team I saw out there. I would even argue and contend that there were times in the Union game against Philly where the Sounders looked better than at any stretch in that nine-game win streak, attacking-wise, especially in the first half. Then it went downhill and didn't work out. I'll give you that. LA, known to spend too much time on this, went behind to that early penalty, never recovered. The Galaxy is not a very great team right now, but keep in mind, when the Sounders were struggling once upon a time and there was a coaching change, we saw what happened. And the Galaxy, to be fair, defensively, they are terrible. Give up so many goals, almost 60 goals, I think. I mean, it's ridiculous. I've read a stat somewhere that in the last is it 60 games or so, they've given up five goals five times, and it took them 600 games to give up five goals five times before this recent stretch. So they're really bad defensively. But they've had no issue scoring goals. They scored three in Toronto. The issue was they gave up five. So they score three, four goals or two goals consistently have multiple goal games. So the fact that they scored three, I'm not shocked. It's the fact that Seattle didn't get anything to go the other way. I can't really remember any meaningful shots on goal. That's the issue here. But Seattle were caught on a bad day in L.A., which now, and I'm going to say, I know people hate using this term, I'm going to use it, makes Colorado a must-win game. Must-win in this context for this reason. Not from a, Seattle can lose at the weekend and still make the playoffs. Nothing's decided this weekend. A win doesn't put you in. A defeat doesn't put you out. That's not what this must-win is. This must-win is simply for momentum. You lose a third game in a row, two of them at home, against a really, 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 really bad Colorado Rapids team. Don't even get me started on them. I, I just can't believe. Anyway, I'm not going to... Colorado, listen, not looking forward to seeing them come to town because it's just a really, really bad team. But if they beat you at home, question marks creeping, doubts creeping, that nine-game streak seems like 10 years ago, and you really start to look over your shoulder and begin to panic, you have to win, one, to reestablish your momentum, two, time is running out to find your best, best form on both sides of the ball heading into the playoffs. There are no easy games in MLS. It wasn't easy when I played, and I'll say the league's a better league now. The teams are better overall now, better coaching, better scouting system. A long way to go, but it is better now than it was in 2012, 2013, 2014 even. No easy games. But if you had to pick a game and had to pick a team, and I'm sitting across from my producer, Ryan Shaber, and he agrees with me, I would pick the Colorado Rapids because they're not that good. That's the team I would, I would honestly pick them. They gave up six at home to RSL. Lost 3-0 and 2-0 in the last two games. Don't score much. Gave up a ton. Raul Ruiz Diaz, get your shooting boots on. Get your confidence going. Victor Rodriguez, 
Get back on the score sheet. Get back among the goals. Nico, let's score from open play. Let's get back among them. Ozzy, where's your one blast that we see every year? I want to see that. This is the game. And the must win to re-establish confidence. Re-establish momentum. Realizing time is short to find your best form before the playoffs. I do expect a Sounders win. I do expect the team to get back on track. And I do expect to be back here next week talking about not only a good result, but also a good performance that fills us all with optimism. When we return, Stefan Fry joins me on the podcast. We'll talk all things on the pitch, off the pitch. He's one of the most interesting guys around. He's the rock of that Sounders back line. Always great to have him on the podcast. He's also a returning guest. So stay tuned for that. Much more to come on Winging It with Zachary. It's always great when we can take this podcast to other places and I was fortunate to be able to catch up with Stefan Fry in the midst of his busy schedule at the Starbucks headquarters right here in Sodo and we had an interesting chat about all things Stefan Fry on the pitch and off the pitch. Bad week but you guys won I mean, a historic run like it really was. During that run take me into your mindset when you're going onto the pitch did you feel like we've already won or it's going to take a lot for us to lose. Where was the confidence at during that run? During the run, um, I mean, I've always said I think that's, that's the strength of the squad is staying even keel. It's been a Sounders thing a little bit, you know, and not, you know, enjoy your, your moments, but, but, but don't get carried away. And, and when things are rough, which we've had quite a few seasons now where we've had found some really low lows, but just keep, keep working, keep working your butt off because maybe at some point, that hard work will pay off and you find a little something, a little confidence here and there and then you can maybe take that somewhere, you know. And uh, um, I think the confidence has always been there. Um, it's been more frustration with that confidence because uh, we weren't able to turn it into results. But yeah, when you finally can reward yourself with a couple of results and a couple of points, you start uh, being able to actually pay attention to the, to the table because as you're losing, you don't really have to pay attention so you know where you're at. It feels good when you finally are around that line, and and you're, again, I think the trophy was a nice thing because you have, you know, you, you, you have something physical, and not just okay, you climbed out of a hole. I mean, we're, we're still we're still not there playoff wise. You know, once we get into the playoffs, then that would be a, a I think a, a step where you're like, okay, you've 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 done something with the climb out of the hole, but I uh, still have a little bit of work to do until we can say we've done that. I think in the Sounders history, there's been over the years a few iconic moments the inaugural game win there was well Oba had several moments the Dempsey hat-trick in Portland your save in Toronto people remember that and after the mistake against Philly I said if there's one guy that's earned unlimited mistakes I hope you don't make them but it's Steph because there's been games where you've made saves that we can't explain and you've kept the team into games so being a goalie you're going to make mistakes 
My point is you've been at such a high level now for a few years. In your individually, is it preparation? Are you just more experienced? Are you just confident? Like how week in, week out are you putting out these performances that put you among the very best in the entire country? Um, it's an accumulation of everything probably. You know, I think you need to have good people around you. Um, and a lot of credit. I think we give Tom Dutra a lot of credit a lot. But, but he deserves it. I mean, he's, I think the energy he brings to our keeper unit is, is second to none. You know, it's, it's, it, it's, it's really nice if energy comes from within. But, and I think we have that. We have all goalkeepers that are very motivated, highly motivated. But if you go in and then on top of that, you have a guy who's like, well, let's go, let's go, you know, it, it just takes it to another level. Uh, and and he's, he's always been, I mean, been there and, and, and had that, you know. I mean, it's an ongoing joke with him when, you know, when he walks into the locker room and, He's limping and his knee is completely swollen. And we're like, Tommy, how's it going? He's like, ah, never been better. That's what he always says. Ah, never been better. He just, he's there to, to just pluck away and keep going. I mean, earlier this year, he, you know, he had a, 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 um, a terrible accident where he, uh, he almost lost his eye, you know, almost caved in his brain. And, and who's there the next day in training with glasses on and his brain almost hanging out? Tom Dutra. It, it's, and that, that's just... Uh, for someone like me, I think I uh, I, I just want to give back to that. You know, I, I, I want to be part of that. I I want to I want to do that with him. You know, and and, uh, and 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 to save, for example, and, and and winning MLS Cup. That's why that very special moment where we run out run, run out and we don't really know how to celebrate what's going on. When I, once I finally realized that was with my goalkeeping unit, it's a very special moment because because of that bond that we have and, and mainly what Tom Dutra brings to, to do that to goalkeeping unit. Uh, speaking of bonds, you're definitely one of the fan favourites. Why do you think the fans here have taken to you so well and what's that, um, what's that like between you and them, the relationship? Uh, it's, it's been great. I mean, uh, I don't know where it started, but I would say all the goalkeepers here in, in Seattle have always been supported quite well and that's, that's awesome. It's... Uh, it's somehow it's a bit unique. I don't know where it's coming from. I mean, uh, I see a lot of keeper jerseys out there, and you know, when you're a Seattle Sounders fan, you want to get either a lime green or a, you know, or a blue jersey, and and, and it, it takes a little bit more to go with a red Sounders jersey or a, or a black one or a you know, a keeper jersey's not the color that your your team usually has. So uh, it's awesome. It's humbling. It's awesome to see so much, so many people. Support, support me personally. Uh, besides just the team, I mean, uh, I love it here. I'm, I think I'm a very, very loyal person. Uh, I I know what what this club has given me as a second chance and and a lot of good memories. You know, uh, the best memories in my career so far, obviously, was winning the championship as well. Um, and and I've, I think I've, I've I've found a strong bond with the city, and it's a place where I could see myself grow. I'm not sure if you saw this or not, but a couple weeks back, there was a picture of your back on the sound of social media and your back tattoos were pre-exposed. What's the story behind that? And do you know how many you have or no? Do, you, do I know how many I have tattoos? Yeah. I mean, they're all kind of molding into one, one big one. one. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, it's an obsession. You know, everybody has their obsessions and mine's pretty harmless for the most part, I'd say. So... Um, I mean, as an artist too, I, I view my body as a canvas in a way now, and I've gotten more into uh, actually giving giving artists uh, creative freedom, you know, to kind of do their thing. I I found an uh, an amazing artist in, in Georgetown 
at uh, Artcore Studio, Adam, and uh, it's important for me to give him direction. You know, I mean, I bombarded him with Egyptian stuff. You know, make sure this symbol, you know, represents that. Don't turn it around and make it this and that. And he was probably a bit overwhelmed, but but for the most part, I was like, you do your thing. You know, I love your art, uh, and I, I, I want to have it on my body. You know, so uh, um, it's been it's been a challenge though. Um, I think the back is, I mean, I remember two years ago when I was uh, in, in January camp with the goalkeepers and obviously Nick Romando is, is covered in tattoos and I was joking with him saying uh, that's the benefit of, benefit of being a little shorter, you know, your, your back canvas is it's just a tiny bit smaller than mine. I mean, I'm, I'm probably 30 plus hours into my back piece and it's still not done, so, um, but it's an addiction, like I said, once you open that door, you're not closing it. Um away from the pitch these days what's your life like just away from the pitch you have a day off maybe you have three days off like what would Stefan Fry's time look like during that time um I've been doing lots of art stuff um posters by the people my posters by the people which is for the Houston game at home is coming out soon so I'm excited for that and uh my, my family is going through a bit of a transition right now too my wife uh, had a bit of a unique job um in the past she she was a flight attendant over in the Middle East, and she was always working a month and off a month. So we kind of had a unique thing going where for one month we did everything together, and then when she was gone, uh, I'd draw and play, play, my heart, play video games to my heart's content. So uh, uh, now it's a bit of a transition. She's going through the process of getting a green card, possibly. So um, we're trying to find our balance, you know. Um, but go to movies, cook dinner together, spend some time with Chloe, our dog, obviously. And, and still play a little bit of video games. And, and just What's more. the video game of choice right now? Uh, right now I'm playing Destiny because uh, I just came out with um, an expansion. And it's a local studio, Bungie, over in, uh, in Bellevue. Good job, guys. Well done. Um, but uh, video gamers are spoiled this year. Um, I mean, a lot of video games come out towards the end of the year, but I think this year's special. We have so many good games coming out. Assassin's Creed. I'm, uh, I like history, so that's right up my alley. Red Dead Redemption... Um, FIFA is coming out now. Um, there's so many games, so shouldn't be bored. <laughs> you get a lot of high-level athletes at the top of their game, and it's 24/7 soccer. Go home, watch film, go like this. But you seem to have such a good balance between when you're at work and it's time to play, you're there. But then you're talking about your art and your video games. Why is it important to have that balance for you? Um, maybe for some people, it's it's not important. For me, it's very important. I mean, I'm. I just got FIFA, and to be fair, I don't really play FIFA. Uh, the only reason why I got it is because I, it's one thing that my brother plays, and he lives in Zurich, and it's, it's our time to bond. So I was like, okay, FIFA it is, you know. But uh, for the most part, I, I get my soccer fix on the field and, and in preparation for games or, or opponents or, or dealing with mistakes. And there is already 80% of my brain capacity is already kind of aimed at all that stuff. So... I think the remaining 20% should go towards other things to balance me out. And, and I mean, like I said many times in the past, you know, as a goalkeeper specifically, there's, there's not much room for creativity. Um, it's all pretty clear, cut and dry what you're supposed to do and how you're supposed to do it and you try to perfect it. And so maybe uh, doing a few things where I can be creative, whether it's playing video games and, and I have a choice whether I want to play aggressive or, or, uh, or not or whatever, or art where I can decide what I want to do. I think that's important to balance me out. You mentioned there cooking and things like that. Let me ask you this. If you were having Gordon Ramsay over for dinner, what's the one meal you would go to that you know for sure you wouldn't mess up? 
the one meal that you would make for him so that he doesn't yell at you? Um, poof. I mean, he's a tough critique, so uh, <laughs> I hope I wouldn't insult him, or he, well, he would insult me. Not, not, that's probably how it would end up. Um, I, I probably have one dish that I've kind of perfected on my own. It's just a simple pasta dish with chicken or some kind of sausage, some kind of protein, whatever floats your boat, and uh, lots of veggies. Um, and it's, it's like a tomato cream kombuzola sauce, but all the flavors are really coming from the ingredients and not a lot it's not a lot of seasoning in there it's all just kind of like throwing the ingredients in and letting them kind of blend together and I've done that one for quite a few years and whoever gets a chance to taste it seems to like it or tells me at least so so hopefully it would uh, it would work for him as well <laughs> <laughs> um, are there any goalies right now like who, who are the goalies around the world that you maybe watch and think like that's someone I want to model my game after or a, a player that I look up to uh, there's always so many, and I, I don't think there's a perfect goalkeeper out there, really. Uh, you know, there's 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 guys that that you're envious of, and I will never have because I just don't have the physical abilities or attributes or, or just my stature is not there. You know, I mean, De Gea is what he can do, how technically strong he is with that body, is in a, a tremendous combo, uh, and something is just it looks ridiculous. Some of the saves he pulls off. And, I'm just not as lanky, I'm not as tall. It's not going to happen for me, you know. Um, I think the confidence of someone like Alison Becker, you know, a lot of times you say don't take risks, but you do need to take risks too. And you need to balance it well. Is it cockiness? Is it confidence? Um, sometimes you get bitten, you know. He got bitten a few, a few games back, but I think his confidence is tremendous. So that's, a, that's another thing, you know. Uh, I think the, the youthful... Um, fearlessness of uh, of uh, of a Man City goalkeeper you know a young young guy um, who maybe doesn't know any better at this point but uh, I think there's all all a little different aspects that you're looking at from all different goalkeepers all over the world and it's really nice to see guys put a streak together uh, you know it's it, obviously when you're watching them on TV they can all make ridiculous saves but uh, it's nice when you see people make them consistently and have a really strong season because that's what's, that's what's super difficult, right? I mean, they're all capable of doing it. That's why they're there. That's why I'm getting paid the big bucks. But consistency, I mean, that's what I grew up with. Consistency is what, what makes the, the good goalkeeper a great goalkeeper. And, uh, Peter Schmeichel like, and Oliver Kahn. Yeah. Back at home this weekend, um, how did you get back on track? Um, by working hard on the training field. I think uh, L.A. was tired. Um, we tried, but it, it wasn't it wasn't too exciting. It wasn't it wasn't very uh, positive. Um, so I think we need to find an edge on the training field again. Um, and then when the, the, the whistle blows on the weekend, just just really go after it. Not not timid. Um, let's play some possession. Let's see what happens. But right away, go for the jugular. You know, uh, be aggressive. Be 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 a threat. Be uh, just not a joy to play against, you know. I think I think LA had fun playing against us, um, even though they didn't have the ball at times. They knew that we weren't doing much with it, and when they, we we would turn it over, they would be dangerous. So we wanna we wanna switch all of that around and make it as most unpleasant as possible for Colorado. And lastly, you would know what it takes. Um, is this team, the 2018 version, good enough to win MLS Cup? I think so. Um, we've gone through hardship. Uh, you can check that off the list. Um, we have the quality. 
it all comes down to timing a little bit, you know. Uh, you have to get into the playoffs um, first and foremost. You have to get into the playoffs healthy with a little bit of confidence. Um, it also depends what the opponents are doing, right? In MLS, it, it can go, you know, if you're, you're going you're to face a team that's super hot in the playoffs, it doesn't matter where you're at, it's going to be very difficult. Seeding can help. Um, I think we may have squandered a bit of a chance there in the last two games to, to have that in our own hands. Um, but anything can happen in the playoffs. And uh, so for us, if we can make sure we're healthy, um, we, I think we'll have a chance. Steph, always a pleasure, man. No, thanks, appreciate it. that we shouldn't or don't normally give away. Uh, flip side of that, you know, you had two or three good looks in the first half. You know, Bruin scores the header, makes a 1-1. Maybe that changes things. You know, that's always shoulda, coulda, woulda. Um, but we'll definitely look at the tape and, and figure out, you know, where we can, you know, generate more offense. Thanks again to Stefan Fry for joining me on this week's podcast. Winging it with Zakawani. Let's get right to it. The big three thing. Big news around the league. Shocking to some. Not to me because I had an idea it was coming. It's one of the bad things of having um, friends in the league, people you know, speak to because you hear things and you can't say them. And one of the things I heard was in a pipeline was that Carl Robinson was on his way out at Vancouver. Full disclosure, I like Carl a lot. Played against him. You know, I remember watching him, actually, early in his career as well. And every time I've crossed paths with him, great guy. The friends I have who have played for him speak highly of him. But this is one of those things where it was time. That's why I'm not even worried about the timing. The timing's weird. Just like the Galaxy's timing was weird. You're four points out of a playoff spot, something like that. Four or five games to go. Listen, we've come this far. Let's ride this horse a little bit longer and then see where we end up. If we're going to make a change, we'll make it end of the year. Maybe we sneak into the playoffs. Maybe we don't. We'll make the change anyway. To do it now shows you it had been waiting to happen for a while, but they just haven't progressed the Whitecaps year to year. Their style changes, identity changes. I don't think Kyle ever really was able to establish exactly what he wanted that group to be. And they have good, exciting players for the most part. I know there's a thing where they don't spend that much. They don't spend Toronto money, um, Atlanta money, Seattle money, Galaxy money. But they spent enough or have traded well enough. The likes of Kai Kamara, proven player, Alfonso Davis. They had Montero there at one point. They had... Pedro Morales, remember him? So they've had good players and just haven't ever really convinced me that this team is for real. So not surprised to see him go. Not surprised at the change. I'd heard some things through the grapevine. The timing, yeah, may shock in general. But if you look at the full picture, that change was coming anyway. And they're just getting a head start on their next moves. Number two, formations, formations, formations. We're back here again. This was where most of your questions came. 4-4-2 or 4-2-3-1 or 3-5-2 or 5-3-2. What is the soundest best formation? Yes, we are right back here. Listen, 
when you win, everything gets swept under the rug. There were always deficiencies, even when the team was winning. I could look at a 4-2-3-1 and think, ooh, maybe if a team attacked the Sounders in this way, they'd be successful. But the team was playing very well defensively and getting it done offensively, it covered everything. When you lose, all the question marks and red flags come flying out. The Sounders did not lose to the Galaxy because they played 4-4-2. That's not why. Or some variation of 4-4-4-2. It was loosely a 4-4-2. That's not why. I do agree that the Sounders' best formation has been a 4-2-3-1. It allows Brian Schmetzer to get as many of his best players on the pitch in their best positions. It's not perfect because we're still not seeing Christian Rodin in his best position. And I don't care what you tell me. His best position is centrally being able to go box to box. So starting in that two of the 4-2-3-1 is where I'd play Christian. Yes, can he play the 10? Of course. Can he play out on the right? Can he play right back? Yes, 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 yes. Yes, yes, and yes. But... His best, best position is centrally alongside Alonso. But Gustav has to play. He's a steady, calming presence. Helps possession because he's very good on the ball. He's very good positionally. So defensively picks up spots and passing lanes and makes interceptions. And did I say he's a calming presence? And what I mean by that is sometimes you won't even notice he's there. And after the game, you go back through the tape or you look at the stats, you're like, oh yeah, Gustav had a great game. That's what he does so well. Allows others to be great. So Brian Schmetzler, the 4-2-3-1, allows him to get as many of his best players on the pitch. As many. While trying to get them into their best position. The 4-4-2 is limited. Nicola Dero is not a left winger in a 4-4-2. When I played here, it was a 4-4-2. I was on one wing. San Yassi was on the other wing. Then we had Rosales on the other wing. We had... Flacco on one wing at one time. We had Mara Martinez, remember him. But we were always dynamic. We were always going to attack back to front, up and down, dribbling. That's not the way the team plays now. So the 4-4-2 doesn't fit this team well, but yet that's not why the sound is lost at the weekend. But I will agree with the crowd that says this team seems to play better in a 4-2-3-1. Finally, number three, and we'll stick with three. There's rumors that MLS wants to move away from the three DPs, take one of those spots away and possibly add more time. Which side of the fence do I fall in? I'll tell you, I fall on the side of the fence that gets more money to more players and makes the teams better. I'm a big advocate of that. I think the DP rule, if you trace it back, it made sense. You were getting David Beckham, the King of England. Of course, you're going to make concessions. He took the standard of living for every MLS player from the Courtyard Marriott to the W Hotel on the Hudson River. That's because of David Beckham. He elevated the level at which MLS clubs had to operate because this is David Beckham. It made sense to do that. And then it was Thierry Henry. And then you got all these other great players and they were paid more. And for the most part, it's made sense. Has it always? I don't know. But now apparently not every team's using three DPs. The league's looking at as in, if we can pay six players or seven players, not DP money, but good money, time, money, if we can pay them that, rather than tying all the money up in just three players, maybe overall the teams will be better. Then we'll be closer to Liga MX. We might win the Champions League expose our game and our league and our teams to a broader audience at the Club World Cup 
and the standard of playing MLS goes up overall. I like the theory. I do. But again, there's no guarantee every team would use all that money available, just like they're not using every DP slot. So the answer for me isn't, should it be three DPs or two DPs or one DP or time? It should be increase the salary cap. Increase it. Pay more players more. Reward some of the guys that have been here building the league and not always people coming from the outside. Reward that. More players, um, more quality players will be attracted to the teams. You'd have... I think it's already there, but you'd have strong starting 11s or strong 11 through 14 all over. Because there's still times I watch the league and I think, yeah, that player could be upgraded. That player, should that guy be in the league? I don't know. There is still times, but it's less and less. So get more money into the squads. How you do it, I don't care about the semantics, but it needs to go down to the players. That's all we have time for. Don't forget, this weekend... The Sounders at home against the Colorado Rapids, 1 p.m. Joe TV. Tune in for the pregame show, actually, at 12.30. We'll be on there on the TV, breaking down the game we're about to see. And I'll be back next week to wrap up and celebrate a Sounders win. I assure you, three points. I assure you, three points. Till next time, I'm Steve Zakwani. This is Winging It with Zakwani.